Welcome to Accounting Insider. I'm Andrew Montessi with Kim Nitschke. And Kim, I'm excited about this episode because um, a couple of weeks ago or a few episodes ago, we were talking about the impenetrable suburb in Adelaide, otherwise known as Kent Town. Mm -hmm. And you have this goal of um, moving in there, your accounting practice, and um, you have a bit of a big vision, but you're finding it pretty tough to get in there. Oh yeah, yeah. It's really hard, really, really hard. So we've we we covered off a fair a fair bit of um, you in that earlier episode, and you seem to be doing all the research, setting up the platform to be able to identify this um, mysterious property, which we hope will eventual eventuate soon. So what's the update? Well, we're taking it to the next level. <laughs> we are, here we go. We're we're in. Um, at the moment, I'm sending out five letters a day to people in the suburb. And my letters are really like, I'm really happy with the results that I'm getting. My, the owners, 50% of the owners are ringing me when they get my letter, yeah. which is just unheard of before in any other letter drop I've done. What's I've, your letter saying? It's basically saying, I'm an accountant, I'm operating on this side of town, I've got three boys at the school across the road from your place, um, I'm looking at relocating, I've got the money, I, I now, and then this is where I've, I've tweaked the letter, I've said, I apologise for the intrusive nature of this letter. <laughs> I was given your name and number by the land titles office. Um, something along the lines of, but I hope you don't mind because... I'm very sincere in my approach and... You sound you know, like an old person writing in like <laughs> cursive. <laughs> well, all these letters are handwritten, yeah. right? I'm getting my PA to write them as if I'm writing them. <laughs> of course. And I went into Officeworks to buy, you know, that beautiful old yellow card paper for yep. writing, you know, the little pads. Feather and ink as well. Yep, they don't have it in there anymore. I found an old style stationery shop in Adelaide, made a special trip in there. And I had to buy effectively wedding invitation paper. <laughs> <laughs> the level of detail. <laughs> uh, but I, I just have to give you an update because you'll find this fascinating. So I, I had a couple of breakthroughs. So when you're on these jobs and you're, you're pushing hard and you're looking at everything, every opportunity, every time you drive down the street and you see something that is odd, you stop, jump out the car, run back and double check. Like this morning, there's a coffee shop in the district. I drove past. I saw that it wasn't open. I'm thinking, it's gone broke. I mean, <laughs> it had a little cardboard sign on the window. We were running late to school and it had a handwritten note on it. And I'm thinking, we don't have time to do this. But I pulled the car over. I said, boys, just sit here for a moment. Double parked, raced in. It said, due to unforeseen circumstances, we'll be opening a couple of hours late. <laughs> oh, so it was a false alarm, but <laughs> you never know. <laughs> right. So two breakthroughs. One is I, I got a copy of the internet of the zoning of the suburb, right? And I'm looking for office zoning, not residential, okay? So I found this little irregularity alongside of an office building. There was this really old house alongside of it with rear lane access over a right of way over the back of the, this commercial property. And for some reason, this one house on this street was zoned office and no one knew about it. So wrote him a letter. Haven't heard anything back from that one, but that was a breakthrough moment for me because yeah. it was like I'd uncovered some, it was a key to a lock, you know. 
Um, the other breakthrough moment was I, I identified five in, in a drive that I did. Um, this is probably two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I identified five commercial properties and I wrote down all the names, went back to my office, got my personal assistant to look up the owner's name, the address and what they paid for it. And then she started doing handwritten letters to all these people. One of them was, I'm not going to give the, let the cat out of the bag because I haven't bedded down the deal. Let's just call it a hall. Okay. Right? In on the edge of the, basically across the road from the school. And surrounded by, let's just call it a massive private property. And I wasn't even, I put it on my list and took a photo of it and I gave it to her, but I explained to her, I think you're wasting your time looking up this one. So do all the others first and we'll come back to that one. Because thinking that the hall was part of the big private land holding oh, around okay. it. Right. Um, she searched it by accident. Right. And it wasn't owned by the private, the family that owned the private parcel. It mm. was separately owned. So this is sort of like, aha. Uh -huh. So anyway, we then went to ASIC and did a search. It was owned by a company. And she did a search and found that it was someone I knew. So I looked in my phone because I'd actually set this person up on MYOB 17 years ago when GST was introduced, right? So I, I searched up his number in my phone and obviously it's about seven or eight iPhones ago. Yeah. I don't think we even had iPhones in 2000, did we? Would have been my no. Nokia. My Nokia. Yeah. Probably still in my Nokia, but my battery's flat in the Nokia. <laughs> you still got it. <laughs> So I rang someone else in that industry that I knew that was definitely, you know, still a customer, but I hadn't spoken to them for a while. And I said, could you please give me this person's phone number? Went through to message bank, didn't think anything more about it, but just left him a message. While I was waiting for him to ring me back, I Googled this guy that, you know, that was basically the property owner and he died two years ago in a car, in a, in a car rally. Right. Jeez. I'm thinking, oh, don't worry about the number. It might be a bit difficult getting through to him. Yeah. But, and so I was reading through all the details on the crash. And, you know, I was horrified because I hadn't spoken to this guy and he was a lovely guy. Yeah. And anyway, my friend by this time had run me back. And I said, look, you're not going to. He said he was going to ring me about an accounting job, right? <laughs> this is the bizarreness yeah, of it yeah, all. Yeah. And so, as a side issue, that's going to lead to a lot of accounting work. But this is all coming out of my property search. Do you see mm. how that's all unrelated but related? Mm. Anyway, so I didn't want to make it look like um, I wasn't interested in getting the accounting work, but I thought I've got to point this out to him because he's a really nice guy yeah. and he'll understand the, the randomness of all this. So I said to him, look, you're not going to believe this, but I was actually ringing you about such and such and look, I'm really sorry. I didn't realise he passed away. He goes, oh, yeah, that's fine. But um, you might as well speak to his wife. <laughs> so, and, and here's her number. So, I thought, okay, all right. So, that, that was like 6.30 one night. So, the next day, I put it off for a couple of days because I thought it was such an outside chance. Mm. I rang the wife. I said, do you remember me from, you know, all these times? No, don't know you. <laughs> She's obviously not an accounting insider listener. <laughs> She's not a fan. Uh, I said, we went out to that little restaurant on, you know, your husband, me and a couple of friends. Nope, 
don't remember. She did remember the restaurant though. <laughs> Didn't remember me. And she knew the new name. And I said, look, I've done this search and I found that you've owned this property that I'm after, this hall. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, but I don't own it anymore. And I said, oh, well, then why is it listed in your name? She said, oh, I've got an option to sell it that expires on the 26th of October this year. And I'm thinking, this is really bizarre because she used to be the big property owner oh. of that private parcel, but the purchaser paid so much for that that they weren't sure what they were going to do with the hall. So they put an option to buy it on it, right? So anyway, I'm thinking this is interesting. So I said, well, do you have a contact at this private organisation? And she said, no, but just just ring the, you know, the landline and see how you go. So I rang the landline because this is a private business and I got the like, the manager and he, I don't think he thought, you know, I, thought, I think he thought I was wasting my time and I spoke to him for a little while. I was quite, you know, he was as bizarre as a random call from someone you have no idea who's asking you about something that you have no interest in mm. is he spoke to me for about 10 or 15 minutes and gave me a bit of an insight into it. But he said to me, you'll need to ring our head office, which is in Sydney. So I rang and left a message on their message bank. There's, you know, this is the slackness of this company in Sydney. I rang, no joke, five times and every time the receptionist didn't pick up, it said it went through so long in, on hold, we were unable to answer your call, please leave a message. So I just leave a message not knowing who I needed to speak mm. to and no one rang me back. Anyway, breakthrough moment, last Sunday, the manager of the private organisation rang me, not, not the guy sitting the one in Adelaide and said, Oh, we had a meeting the other day and I mentioned to a couple of people that, you know, you were interested in that old hall and they want to know what you want to do with it. And is it okay if I put your details forward to the guy in Sydney who's in charge of the assets for the organisation? I said, yeah, absolutely. So I'm thinking, yes, this might all, you know, they wouldn't be wanting to speak to me if they were going to exercise the option. Now with the hall, what I'm thinking is, um, I could convert it into a office or house. Yeah, now, they're really tall, so I can put in a mezzanine floor, get double the floor space. That'd be cool. Right? And turn it into this groovy, happening, industrial-type sort of warehousey office. So I'm getting excited about all this. Anyway, didn't hear from that guy. So then I'd listened to a podcast on Mixergy about some hustler, and he said that, if you're really keen and you know the organisation they work at and, oh, that's right, before I said goodbye to the, the manager, I said, who could I expect the phone call from? And he said, oh, the guy's name's Brett. I left it at that. So anyway, I'm on the website the next day looking for Brett. <laughs> Control F on the website, Brett, on every page, on the annual report. <laughs> and this guy's name kept coming up, right? So I thought that I knew that guy and then I saw, you know, it's amazing what, the internet will give you. I, I did a search on at that website to sort of work out the pattern on how they use names mm. and then I had a punt <laughs> and I deduced his name and sent him an email and it worked. He really? came back and said, I'm going to ring you tomorrow. Now, that was yesterday. So, I'll, But on the email back from him, I've got his direct line now. You see how inch by inch... <laughs> I'm getting closer and closer it's to so my funny, goal. The level of detail. Like, oh, I thought it was 
intense the last episode when we talked about it. This is just getting ridiculous. So, uh, so everything gonna else. Using, are you going to be using like mentalism or something to try and like get in his mind or something when you catch up? Well, um, I, I'm not probably doing that, but, if, you know, every time I'm lying awake at four o'clock in the morning in my bed, I'm thinking, now what can I do to push my barrier that little bit further, you know, to take this, mm. this, this challenge to the next level? What little insight, what edge do I need? And this is why, you know, it's amazing how far you can go mm. with, you know, I'm just this Joe Smith. No one knows, uh, you know, I've got no connections. Well, everyone in Kenttown knows you, well, for sure. <laughs> they all know me now, that's right. Well, they will know me. Um, but it's just without being pushy and upfront and, you know, getting yourself into uncomfortable situations because you're overstepping the mark you can just keep bit by bit edging closer towards that goal okay so what do we what should we expect from the next update well i'm hoping that they assign the contract to me and i get it on the 26th of october yeah and i'm i don't know the price i rang the lady back yesterday actually and i tried to sort of fish out of her the price but she was sort of, she smelled a rat. <laughs> she wouldn't give it to me. But, I'll, it, it, but I'm levering off each other saying that I'm good friends with her. So I'm thinking that he will know the price and just tell me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because he doesn't know that she hasn't told me. Yeah, he'll you know what I mean? So you just of, know. Yeah. So that's all, that's all happening. Okay. So it's bubbling away. But I just, I think it's important to give you the updates. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, um, I'm just looking through our notes and I see... A note here, left wallet in the restaurant. Oh, yes, yes. Now, this is interesting. This is another Kim story. I can feel well, it. Well, this is sort of related, right? So, out of my hunt for my office in Kent Town, I've got, I landed a monster fish client. You know, it's, it's, he, the guy's told me what job he wants me to pitch for and I'm the only horse in the race and it's massive. So, that's come out of that. Mm. And then... Remember I told you I had to go and get that wedding paper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I'm in the city and I've grabbed that paper and when I went in there, you know, they thought I was getting married. <laughs> <laughs> like I got this old lady who was helping me and I think she thought I was nuts but I got the paper. I'm walking down the street back to my car and a friend who owns an art gallery saw me and he came out and he said, look, have you got time for a quick coffee which turned into lunch? Um, but... It happened so fast. I was actually pulling out of my car park when he ran up to me on the street and I left my car and I somehow I didn't lock it correctly, right? So halfway through our lunch, my car alarm goes off, right? So I left the restaurant in a hell of a hurry, right? Because it was all... Anyway, what ended up happening was I accidentally left my wallet at the table at the restaurant, right? Right. <laughs> okay. And then, so I raced out, turned the car alarm off and didn't do the check for the car keys, the wallet, the phone, and then drive off. So I, I skipped all of those steps because I was in such a panic. I got back to my office. I had to meet a tradesman there who was waiting for me. I went home and he did some um, work on my house. But that night, I checked the car three times for my wallet wasn't there now my wallet has got all my trade building trade discount cards it's got all my credit cards it's got my access debit seniors cards seniors card my seniors cards my driver's <laughs> license you know my medicare card all of those things now 
last time I lost my wallet, doesn't happen rarely. Sorry, it doesn't happen often. It happened three years ago. But it took my PA a whole day to reinstate all the direct debits with my credit cards. You know, and then it took Such me half a day house. to go around and get all the photos for my driver's license all done again. Anyway, so I'm lying in... I'm sitting on the couch at 10 o'clock at night, having a glass of red, thinking, I can't believe I've lost my wallet. What am I going to do? And then I, I came up with this plan that I was going to do three things. One is I was going to just drop back to the restaurant the next day because I thought it may be at that restaurant or it might have fallen out of my pocket in the car right outside on the street. I'll just drop in there, pretend I'm dropping in for a coffee and say, oh, by the way, did anyone um, hand a wallet in? Anyway, I did that. I went in. There was an Afro-American lady that served me. I thought, she looks new. <laughs> she's not going to She's obviously not the, the owner. I said, look, did anyone hand in a wallet? She said, just let me check. And I thought, she's obviously, you know, maybe doesn't even know where the lost and found box is. Mm. But anyway, she just went off for about 30 seconds, a minute or two, came back and said, what was your name? I said, Kim. She handed it over the counter. And I'm thinking, like, should I give her 10, 20 bucks? Yeah. No, nah, that's part, all part of the cost of lunch the day before. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it was all cool. So I was back and back on track. So that was like saved me so much time and my PA. But when I was sitting on the couch the night before at 10 o'clock, I realised, yeah. right, two things. Um, one, I'm going to get one of those little GPS chips to put in your wallet so that it's tracked. Mm. And whenever you lose it, you press a button on your phone and it tells you the last GPS position coordinate mm. of you. Well, it actually shows a map and a little pin drop on it. So, ironically, on Saturday that day at cricket, someone gave me one of them. They're called a tile. They are oh, brilliant. Yeah, They're $35. Here it is, that thing. Yeah. Lifesaver, right? And it, it gets even better than that. You press the E on the tile when it's synced to your phone and your phone rings when you lose your phone. Right, so for 35 So, out of this tragedy, good stuff's come out of it. Yeah. The other thing I did was um, I set up the next day, Apple Pay on my iPhone. Yeah. And I don't know if you understand what, how Apple Pay does, but yeah. basically you scan your credit card, all the numbers get programmed. Hey, Westpac don't have it yet. It's really no, annoying. it's only ANZ. But I happen to have an ANZ credit card, but I've been too busy to set it up. But um, I set it up. It took me about half an hour. Now, instead of using PayWave, I don't need any cards I can just take my phone, I s scan it over the, um, you know, the uh, FPOS machine in any store, put my fingerprint on the button and it authorises on the spot. Right? Yeah, nice. So my credit card now is my wallet. If you take the case off, slide a 50 in there and your driver's licence, that's your wallet. I don't need a wallet anymore. You, 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 you're chuffed, aren't you? I can tell. Yeah, so, yeah what I'm getting at is if, if you take these dark moments and you sit back and you reflect and you say, this is such a low point for me. I never want to be in this again. What steps am I going to take to never have to tread this path again? You come up with all these really great ideas. You're able to rethink it. Yeah. I was kind of waiting for the point when you were going to link this wallet story back to some Kent Town person who then like they owned the hall and... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Just, unfortunately. No, I just, I just thought that was really... They're, they're really useful to tools for people and you can use them every day. Yeah, and it's got and so that that thing is called tile, and it's I'm looking at it right now. It's on your keys. Yeah, very good. Is that it? That's it. Beautiful. Well, thanks for listening to Accounting Insider. To connect with Kim, visit accountinginsider.net. <laughs>